You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded in Scottsdale, Arizona. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at banner.church. One thing that was really cool that we actually got to do because of the resources and because of your generous giving was Love This Town Day. And that was last Saturday. Yes, it was incredible. We had 50 people serving um, over seven hours in seven different places. And so it was really awesome. But I'd love to invite up Randy, um, who's going to talk to us a little bit about her experience this morning. Can we give it up for Randy? Hi. So last weekend, we got to go to Tonalia and love on that school and fill those kids with show them that they're valued and they're loved and they're important and we cleaned everything we picked up trash we organized so many things like balls and toys and stuff and it was great and it was awesome and we just they're gonna they went back to school next last last monday and they get to be excited because they i mean i'm sure they were excited i'm speaking for them but you know um, because if they don't get that somewhere else, like at least for that moment, they feel it, you know, yeah. and they, they saw it and they can experience the love of Jesus, even if they don't know that that's what they're experiencing. Yeah. Um, I also get the opportunity to bring my son who's four to all of these events. And after Tonalia, we went to a, um, rehabilitation center and we got to sing and color and just with those folks that maybe don't necessarily have anyone to be with them when they're going through something. And that's really great. And for me, bringing my son to those things just instilled in him like a servant's heart so that he can continue to have that in his foundation so when he's all grown up and leaving me, he can go just love on other people and lead his family, whoever that is, and just continue, like, serving Jesus and loving people like Jesus would. God is doing incredible things through this church, and I don't know about you, but I feel super blessed, um, especially coming off of a week like Love This Town Day. Um, it's just incredible what God is doing. But this morning, we have the incredible opportunity to hear from Stephen Frankie. And Stephen, yes, we'll give it up for him. He um, and his wife are the directors for Unite Phoenix. And Unite Phoenix is an organization that does pretty much exactly what we did on Love This Town Day, which is loving this city in really, really practical ways. And so it's providing toys for kids that wouldn't have toys on Christmas. And it's things like that that we also are doing. Um, And so I just want to encourage you, this is going to be a good message. First service was awesome. And so to be really attentive. But Stephen is also on staff at GCU. And so we're excited to be representing the GCU Lopes. Um, And so we're excited to have him this morning. Will you join me in welcome? Welcoming Stephen Frankie up this morning. I'm going to hold the microphone. Last service, I had an issue of going like this the whole time. I got to give props to the sound team. They went like this, I'm sure, the whole time. So thank you guys. Um, Hey, let's pray. Let's start this off right. Uh, Father, we just love you. We adore you. Oh, I'm so excited. Lord, first service was great. Lord, 
Lord, I think this is going to be better. Father, we so desperately want you here. Lord, that's what's most important. I pray that you would touch hearts. Lord, that you would reach out and touch each person here. Father, fill them with your wisdom. Lord, your understanding. Lord, unlock some of the secret things in heaven for each one of them, Lord. We just love you and we adore you. Father, I want to lift up Henry. Lord, what a blessing. Uh, bringing him to this family, not just uh, to Josh and Katie, Lord, but also to this Banner Church family, Lord. Uh, that's what's so amazing about an experience like that, especially for them. It's not just them and the responsibility they have uh, to watch over that child, Lord, but they've got a whole family here that can pour into them and deposit wisdom and love, compassion into this child. Lord, I pray that you would just go grow up with him, Lord. Bring him close to your chest when that is needed, Father. I pray that you would just deposit in him, Father, all the things that you've done, all the plans that you have for him, Father. We just love you, we adore you, and we thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, thank you, worship. That was really good. Twice. I got it twice, just to let you guys know. Very good. Um, I, if you guys don't know me, maybe some of you <laughs> saw me uh, about a month ago. I ran into this service. That was me, that tall, goofy guy. Uh, ran all the way down here and uh, gave a hug, side hug to Katie and high five to Josh and ran back out. I was doing a marathon. It's the first time I've ever done something like that in my life. Yes, 38 years old. And I knew it was now or never, uh, literally. And so got it done, got it checked off the list. Uh, amazing experience. I think around this bend, we ran right in front of the church. And that's about the 20-mile mark, 19, 20 miles. So I was pretty done and in a fog. And I think that's why I ran in here during your worship service. Horrible. I apologize. I promise. I sent a text message to Josh later in the day apologizing, saying that's not even appropriate. And he said, oh, you know us. We're good. So... Um, but thankful for it. Uh, when I ran out, something you don't know, I ran back out, and there was four police officers right here at the barriers, and I had a Yay God shirt on, <laughs> and so it says Yay God, and I go out, and I think I said Yay God, and I said I love this church, and the, one of the cops yelled back, and they said, did you just go up there to go in there to throw up a prayer, and I was like, yeah, actually, that's pretty good. <laughs> Could totally see that happening, so, but yeah, so, that might be your only interaction with me, uh, but my wife and I, Nicole is up front here. We have three boys, Micah, Skylar, and Madden. We've come here a few times. Uh, we have a house church. We're weirdos. Um, <laughs> just kidding. We're not, uh, but we're called Garfield Gangsters or Garfield Glory or whatever we're this week, uh, but uh, a lot of them are here in the crowd, so I'm very thankful. <laughs> so they're over here to the left. And um, one of our partners, uh, Thrive AZ, they're back here. And so just thankful that they're here for their support. So I hope you guys are okay with that. Our family's joining your family. We're all one big family, right? So um, before we get into Mark 5, I just want to say something uh, about how we really, how, how Banner Church came on our radar. Uh, and that was Miss Christina. Is she in here? She's serving some. Okay. All right. Okay. You may call her Christina. I will always call her Miss Christina. So uh, she was the teacher of our youngest in preschool. I said kindergarten, first service, but it's definitely preschool. 
uh, that she was a teacher of, and we knew it was evident, just like I'm sure it's for you, that she loved Jesus. And uh, we were going through a really tough time. Uh, at that time, Nicole and I, we were uh, a part of another organization, and we had been doing this big, massive Christmas event every single year in Garfield at Verde Park. And it was consistent, happened every year like clockwork. We would hand out anywhere from 1,000 to sometimes 2,000 toys to 1,000 to 2,000 kids in the surrounding neighborhoods. And uh, these kids are living in poverty, most of them. They're living in the projects in downtown Phoenix. And so uh, we had been doing this year after year. And one year, uh, I had a conversation with the director of that park, which I had a really good relationship with. Uh, but she told me, she said, Stephen, I'm just not comfortable with the religious thing. I'm not comfortable with you bringing Christianity into this park. And that's what we did. That's why we did it. We wanted to be able to share Jesus with everybody uh, that came in attendance. And we knew a lot of people that might be their only chance that entire year. And we wanted to share the reason for the season. And so, um, yeah, that was <laughs> sprung on us just a few weeks before this big celebration. We had already prepared. We had collected so many toys for this. Everything was set. And so it's one of those moments, and we're going to talk about it later, but just where you go to prayer. And Nicole and I, we did, and we're just like, we didn't panic. We knew God was going to take care of things. We had another partner in it, and he was doing the same. Um, and then we, I think it was a parent-teacher conference or something like that. Maybe it was just Nicole um, had said, let's talk to Miss Christina and we talked to her, and she's like, well, let's bring in Miss Bernal. And so that's the principal of the school. And so she came in the conversation, and we talked about it, said what we wanted to do. And she says, yes, do it here at the elementary school, a Title I elementary school in downtown Phoenix. Um, this is not a private school. This is a public school. And uh, I, I felt that it was very important, even in, in light of what just happened with the park and the fact that they're like, we can't do this because they look at it as a religious event. I said, it's so important that we tell this principal what our mission is and what we're doing. And so we did. We told him we bring Jesus into the equation. We talk about him in multiple different ways at this event. And God provided. And she said, okay. <laughs> and we didn't even know, like, are you okay with this, right? God's good. It's his kids. Like, sometimes we forget about that. It's like we have these initiatives and we do these things. And it's like, it's his children. He's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. And he did. So the last few years we've done this event. It's now Christmas in Garfield. It's at the school. It has all the backing of that school. Uh, they have released fees that we used to have to pay for that. I mean, it's just, it's a full-on partnership. Um, and we're just so grateful for it. Amen? Okay. So... Um, through that relationship, Miss Christina is like, I got to introduce you to these really cool, awesome, hip pastors that we have. She didn't say that. I say that. They are, and I know they're going to listen, I hope, to this. So very cool, very hip. And so uh, we had the chance to have dinner at their house. And uh, I said it last service, but one thing that Nicole and I found quickly right off the bat was that they are very genuine and they are very real people. And um, in my job at GCU, especially the last job I had, my job was to meet with pastors all the time and ministry leaders. I was a liaison between the university and church communities. And um, uh, this is nothing disparaging to say about any of them, 
but it is not common that you find a pastor that isn't wearing a mask or anything like that. That is truly like, this is who I am. This is what we are. And even discussing some of their limitations and weaknesses. And that's your pastors. Like, that's a very real thing. And and for each of us, we're going through those very real things, you know, in our lives. And we don't want to be disconnected from our pastors. And so I love them. I love them. And uh, I know why you guys are attending this church. So uh, the other thing is, is I love Pastor Josh's illustrations. I love when he puts images up and takes you there, um, which is really good. I'm going to do that today. I'm totally stealing that and going to do that a couple of times. Uh, but I love the fact that he can just put you in Israel on a mound, a grass mound, and where the shepherds were, you know, just by a visualization and how he talks through that. It's so important, you know, that it's not a distance. There's not something there where it's like, oh, it's a far off. It's like right there, something tangible. I love that about them. So enough about those guys. Love them. I'm glad they're at home taking care of that new one. So uh, we're going to get into Mark 5. If you have your Bibles, it'll definitely be on the screen. I'm going to read through this uh, in its length, and then we're going to go back through it and really piece this together. Mark 5, 24. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see, the dis- you see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be be freed from your suffering. So uh, I'll be honest with you. I am not a pastor of a church. I am a part of a church, a community that I love. And we have discussions on a regular basis about different passages. We read through the Bible last year. We have discussions on that. Um, But when I do have the opportunity to speak, and I have uh, at churches before, I usually cover areas that I'm very, very comfortable with. And Acts 2 is usually my go-to. I love it. I love being able to unpack that and just see this man, Peter, who was a fisherman, who had only really walked with Jesus for three years, get up in front of a mass of people and deliver this empowering and very convicting speech. And he pulls out Old Testament prophets. And, I mean, you just know that the Holy Spirit is working through him. And uh, so I love that. I'm not talking about it today, but I love going through that. And it's something I'm comfortable with, and I've done several times. A couple of weeks ago, uh, when Pastor Josh approached me about speaking here, he said, hey, you can speak on anything, but we are going through Mark, and it would be Mark 5, 24 through 34. And so I was like, okay, God, it's got to be you, um, because I'm just not, again, the five-point sermon type. And so Um, But going through this, especially the last couple of days, like God has really opened this up. I'm praying that he shows up in a mighty way and really touches your guys' hearts through this because there's a lot. There's a lot to this. So we're going to go back through this one more time. uh, And I'll just add some color or context to it. 
Uh, I do want to back up a little bit to 521 because I know you guys, I listened to last week's sermon and it ended at 20. Uh, it's important to just add some context here and where Jesus was. And so it says here in 21, when Jesus had again crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with them. Now, again, Jairus is, he's a holy man. He's a ruler at that time. And so he comes to Jesus. Of course, he's pleading for his daughter's life. And so with that comes this mob of people, a lot of people, his followers, Jesus's followers are there, disciples are with them, but they're going down this street. And so it is a mob, it is a crowd, and people are pushing up against him, pushing up against Jesus. And so and we see that in verse 24. So Jesus went with them, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So this condition, men, you have no idea what this is. Okay, just to let you guys know, uh, this is something that women obviously go through each month, uh, but it was prolonged. It was something that was much, much more severe. It was more lengthy, and she had been going through this for 12 years. And so it's really important to add context in something like this because you can read over that, and it's just like any other ailment. It would be like any other thing that you're going through. Even though it was a long time, 12 years, it could be misplaced in your mind as far as what's going on. And we can do that. We can back up to Leviticus 15. And if you go to that chapter, I'll say it's like the PG-13 chapter, maybe rated R. Um, but it's right there in Leviticus where it talks about a lot of gross things. Uh, but it talks about this specifically. And it talks about men when they come in contact with a woman that is going through something like this. And what would happen is, is under the law, you had to do certain things. And the men had to go and they had to wash all their clothes and they had to wash their bodies, of course. And they remained unclean. Leviticus 15, I believe it's 20, says that they remained unclean until nightfall or until the evening. And so that's really important to understand with this. This woman is going through this. This is an actual condition. It's, it's not something other women are going through. And she's been dealing with this for 12 years. But she is absolutely labeled as unclean. And in society, she would be labeled as unclean. And she would be ostracized. Eric, I got it right this time. Ostracized uh, for that in her community and pushed out because of that. And so this woman comes, and there should be a picture, I think, right after this. This is the Josh and me, hopefully. Uh, but there's an image, there you go, of where she's on the ground and maybe she goes, because we know that she touches the hem of his garment. But she pushes her way through the crowd to touch Jesus' garment. And so when you look at this, we'll go back. When she, okay. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So also at this, you have physicians, you have doctors. Sometimes these snake oil salesmen, right, that are coming up with different potions or concoctions, uh, they would mix things together. So a big thing was like cumin or saffron or even onion, and you would put it in wine or some other drink, and you would say, take this and call me in the morning. No, you would take that, uh, and it would 
it would hopefully, maybe, possibly, they're going to say it will, it'll cure you. And so, and a lot of times it wasn't just for this one thing. It was, oh, this will cure you of this, 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 this. And they would go down the list. And so she had been going through this for 12 years. And it says it actually gets to the point where it doesn't just get better, but it gets worse. And she had spent all she had. So most likely this woman is probably pretty close, if not there, to poverty because of this condition. She had spent everything, both spiritually, she's probably exhausted, and also she spent all that she had money-wise on this. And so it's important just to understand the context of this and what's going on at this time. She got worse, so it could be like the medicines we have today, right? The commercial, 45 seconds of it is devoted to just the side effects that are happening. So maybe that onion and wine is not a good thing. Can't imagine it. Just kidding. Uh, but it's bad. So when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. I find this really interesting because we know of Jesus healing before this. He heals people several times, I think five or six times. It's mostly men that he's healing, but it is direct contact. Like it's him reaching out or it's his speaking to the infirmity, right? That's taking place. And so she has something that tells her if I just can touch his clothing, that would be enough. It's really important, like just to understand with this, that with her, it's 12 years, 12 years of going through this infirmity. That's she's battling this day in, day out, every single day. And she has sought out help from every possible place she can, doctors, physicians, other people, right? Help me, help me. And nothing had happened. It just got worse and worse and worse. And now in this moment of desperation, she's like, I'm just going to go touch his garment. That's all that's necessary. If you just read over this and you read that, it's like, okay, get it. She's healed. It's, it's a pretty incredible story in itself. But just to know that the risk she's taking and doing that with her being unclean, she's not just touching any man. She's touching a rabbi, a teacher, a holy man. That's who she's going. And in in those days, under those circumstances, it was a sign of you doing that, that you're basically passing on what you're dealing with, your uncleanness, to that individual. It's a big risk. It really is. And not only that, like my first thought, honestly, when I read over this was, it's pretty selfish. I get it. I get what she's dealing with and the battle that she's dealing with, but holy cow, she could bring down this man, right? We know him as Jesus, of course, but this holy man, she could bring him down possibly with something like this. That obviously doesn't take place. Let's see. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd, touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. He turned in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? I really like this, because we know with God, you can't diminish his power. Everybody knows that, right? But there's this release. There's something that feels it. He feels power being released out of him, and it goes into this woman. I find this really, really cool. I think it's more... Sometimes we have this difficulty where we go through and we look at things. We look at things like love and we look at things like faith, which is what this is here. And all these things, peace and joy. And we, we put it up as just, it's just a word, you know, and it has a meaning. It has a definition, but it's almost like this inanimate object. 
And with something like this, oh, there's so much more going on here. I mean, truly. I mean, this is just, this taking place, it is just like love. You can get a picture of it on the cross, right? Especially with Jesus bearing the sin of the world. A lot of people don't realize this, but that sin, it's not just a burden. It's not just something that's placed on him that he's paying for. It's the exact circumstances that you have dealt with. We're talking about rape and murder and all these things, right? Slander, all these things that he came and he paid for. I believe he experienced that. Like he felt that. And it was tough. I think that's why the night before in the Garden of Gethsemane, blood is pouring out of his forehead and he's weeping. I don't believe it was because of knowing the pain, the physical torment that he would go through. I believe it was actually just knowing that he was going to bear something that he had never felt before. Jesus had never encountered sin before, never felt it, and never had that upon him ever before. And so it's, it, has, it carries more weight. And so with this, with someone who is dealing with the sickness that they've been tormented with for 12 years, and they come and they just touch the hem of his garment, and in that moment, something happens. It's, it's more than just power. It's not just this electricity. It's, it's love. It's just, it's love. It's like pouring out. It's coming out of him in this moment. As she goes and she takes this gigantic risk by grabbing a hold onto him. So the next part, she flees, right? She touches it. She's healed. Uh, let's see. And she was freed from her, stu- from her suffering. The blood stops. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you can ask, who touched me? I really like this. This is the disciples sometimes said last service. I feel like they're knuckleheads sometimes. Like, but it's the truth, right? And they're like, well, hello, Jesus. I mean, we've touched you. They're touching you. Everybody's pushing up against you. We're all touching you, right? And just like, no, you don't get it. Like somebody touched me. It's a difference with him, right? It's not just pushing up against. It's not just anything like that. And you can bet, too, that there's other people in this crowd that need to be healed, that need that, right, that need to be touched. Maybe it's not a physical ailment. Maybe it is. Um, but it could be just something, an addiction or something that they're going through. They need Jesus. But, and they're touching him. But something transfers. Something happens when this faith is extended by this woman that is so very, very beautiful. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. The woman left, of course. Then the woman, knowing what happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. So again, imagine this, and you can probably put yourself in this equation as well. The woman goes, she gets her healing and leaves, okay? Almost like imagine going out this door here and she flees, she leaves, but something pulls her back in. This is really cool. There's something that takes place where it actually like a tractor beam being pulls her back in. And I find this amazing because so, much, so many times, at least in my life, I will flee the scene. Like something happens, it happens, and I'm just like, okay, I'm good. I got my healing. I'm good to go, and that's it. This woman says, I need to confront this. And she goes back to Jesus. She gets down on her knees, weeps at his feet. And confesses and says, this is what I am. This is who I was. I had this condition. I am unclean and I touched you. We 
don't know the conversation, but I imagine it went something like that. And she's just weeping and pleading, I'm sorry. And Jesus, and just like only he would, talks about, directly talks about her faith. You just have to know that at this time, when you've got rabbis, they didn't, they didn't do it that way. They would always be at a distance. You know, it would be something, how dare you? Maybe they pick up a stone, right, in that moment. And that's what happens. Like, how dare you do that? Why would you do that to me? And instead of Jesus' response, he just says, oh, how great is your faith, daughter? I mean, it's really remarkable when you look at this and you look at the love that is taking place in this whole thing. Sometimes we miss that for whatever reason. We go through it. But there's this condition that is happening with this individual and what is the response when she's healed? It's, I got to get back and I got to tell him, right? Remember the lame man, similar type thing? Jesus even tells him, don't go tell anybody. Please don't say anything. And he has to tell somebody. Like there's just something, right, that happens inside of you. And it just changes you. Like actual changes take place, not just in the, the parts of your body, but something that happens all over in your spirit and your soul. Like actual change and transformation occurs. I was talking about it earlier, and I love this, but Zacchaeus, you know the story of Zacchaeus? He's a wee little man, short guy, right? Uh, but big, fat tax collector, and so he's collecting taxes. Sometimes it's double, even triple, uh, that he's collecting on. And he was robbing people, and most of these people were those that were living in poverty, that were hurting, and he would rob them. This was his life, and he was getting riches off of it. But Jesus comes to town, and he has to see him. He climbs up on a tree, right, and he looks for him. He's looking for Jesus. We know that sometimes with just wealth and abundance and things like that in our lives, we think it's going to fill some sort of hole. It never does. That hole is just meant for Jesus. And Zacchaeus knew that. There was something in him that was very attractive about Jesus where he just had to go to him. He had to see him. Mary Magdalene, she takes uh, perfume, pours it on Jesus' feet, takes her hair, and starts wiping her, his feet with her hair. Such a beautiful story. But you just see these occurrences in the Bible where there's just this, there's an attraction. And I think sometimes for us, it, it's almost foreign, but it sure shouldn't be. We are the bride and he is the bridegroom. And that's, there should be this attraction and something that just draws us into him, that draws us near. And it's not because our parents told us that's how it's supposed to be. We've experienced it. We've actually felt it in our life. John, remember John, the one that Jesus loved? He goes and he presses his head into the bosom of Jesus, into his chest. Like he just wants to hear his heartbeat. Like this is, that, this is a relationship that we're called to have with Jesus. But how often does it happen in these circumstances where you go through something in your life, you go through the fire and the tribulation of life, and something happens to you where God literally touches you, and it does so much more than just heal you of that infirmity. There is a response from the spirit that lives inside of you that says, I need to come clean. I need to come out. I need to let you know what's going on. Like, I only need, need to let you know what just transpired here. It's so important. And it's powerful. Last night, I, I prepared for this, <laughs> and I was going through it. Uh, there's a church right next to our house, and I was going up, and I'm going through what I want to share about. And um, this morning, I woke up an hour earlier, 
thank you to the time change. My phone didn't recognize it. It leaped me up an hour, so I got up an hour earlier this morning. It ended up being a very, very good thing. Uh, but I went again to the church next door. I'm just here. Nobody's there staring back at me. Um, but I'm going through this again, going through it. And the Lord led me down this path of confession. And this, this is something that, at least for me, is very difficult. And I, I feel that maybe it's missing a little bit from even the church today and what you're hearing all the time. But I believe it is absolutely important. Acts 2 talks about it. Repent, be baptized, be born of the Spirit, right? That's the ingredients. Boom, boom, boom. Do these things. And it's like, oh, that repentance. It's so hard. It's so difficult, right? But confession, being able to actually confess it like this woman did and come out and say, this is what's going on. This is who I was, but I'm not that anymore. And to just understand Jesus' response where he comes out and he says, oh, great is your faith. Great is your faithfulness, right? Oh, great is that faith, daughter. Man, you did something that is very uncommon around here. You went out and you took a leap. You trusted me when I said I would take on all of your burdens. You trusted me when I said, come to me like filthy rags. I'll clean you up. You trusted that. You believed in me. There is something that's going on that's just, it's what we were called to. It's what this Christian life is supposed to be. We are so fearful of the fact that we would have to go and tell somebody else about our issues and what we're going through. We are so concerned about our identity when our identity is supposed to be Christ. And why? What, what is going on with that? Like, we see this. This is absolutely powerful. Zacchaeus, he ends up having lunch with Jesus. Man, Jesus could have had lunch with all the religious leaders, whoever. He could have said, hey, let's all get together and maybe fundraisers, you know, whatever he wants. I'm homeless. I'm Jesus. I'm homeless, right? He could have done that. But no, he's like, I'll go eat with the tax collector, knowing he's going to get ridiculed, knowing his own followers are going to be like, are you kidding me? Do you know who that guy is? Let me tell you about him. And Jesus is all like, oh, no, you didn't see what I saw up in that tree. If you guys just had a little bit of that, I might not have to spend three years with you, you know, going through all these things and tell you the same thing over and over again. There's just something there. But that's it. We shouldn't be fearful of something like that. And we shouldn't be brought to a debilitating condition or something before we can get to our spouse, our best friend, our pastor of our church and say, hey, I'm not afraid of this, and I'm not ashamed anymore. This is something that the enemy had, and it was a grip on my life, and I'm done with it. I'm done with it because Jesus told me when he died on that cross that it was finished, and I believe it. And that's the thing. Like, you are believers. You are Christians. You believe in Jesus. So it's time to start believing in Jesus. Like, live that way, that he wasn't lying, that he didn't mess up, that he wasn't putting an asterisk next to your name and saying, well, everybody but... He didn't do that. Like, you are all included in that. We're all included in that. And once we start seeing confession, we start seeing repentance as a way to freedom and a way to communion with him to where we can actually touch him. And something transpires there that is so beautiful and so beyond anything that we can say in words. It's going to change you. It's going to produce change. And you will never be the same. And I know everybody right now, right here in this room, you have something inside of you that says, I just want to look more like him. And I don't feel that way. And that's the enemy. He's really good at making you feel guilty. 
and feeling, making you think about the guck. I, I wanted to be so careful, even with a message like this, that people don't get in this point where they have like this sin-conscious mind, where it's like, oh, I'm just so worried about it. Don't be fearful of it. You are free from it. You are sons, you are daughters, you are adopted, and it's paid for. Don't take away. <laughs> don't take away from what's already been done. You can't do that, by the way. <laughs> Thank the Lord, right? But I mean, in your own mind, don't. It's sufficient, I promise you. It is more than enough. I love what happened with this lady. I love that she was healed. I love that after 12 years of going through this, everything changed. From this point on, she absolutely should be welcomed by the rest of society, right? I love all of that. But what I loved even more is that she had an encounter with Jesus that absolutely transformed her life. I love that she walked away, and she could have, and she could have celebrated, and nobody in this room would, everybody would be celebrating with her. But no, she had to come back to Jesus and in front of others say, this is who I was. This is what's going on. And she was trembling. Like, she was fearful, okay? But at the same time, like, I just know that the Spirit of God was working, into her, working in her life. And I, I could almost guarantee from that point on, she had a greater understanding than I even do of this. You know, really, I mean, truly, that this whole thing, this encounter with Jesus, was something that is so special and irrevocable, and it's going to produce change in her life. And that now, from this point on, she is pure, she is clean, and she has had an encounter with the one that she loves most. He is our Savior. We are saved. And we have to understand Sometimes you have to go down that road, right, where you think about the things and think about what, what has happened, what's transpired, to understand what you have actually been saved from. If you call him out and you say, Abba, Father, Savior, like you have to understand what that means. You are saved and delivered and restored, healed, right, from all of those things in your life. And now are you, you are this new creation, and you move forward in that without looking back. It's a beautiful thing. Like, it really is. When you look at it, it's so beautiful. This is so beautiful. It is so much more than a physical healing. Something that transpires, I'm just, do you follow me? Like, are you getting this? This is, this is for each one of you because I promise you, people in here, you're struggling with that. You're going through that. Every day, the enemy is beating on you, just ah, on that door every single day and say, this is who you are. This is who you are. And it's time for you to say, oh, I know who you are. You're a liar. You're an absolute liar. And I am free. I am saved. When Jesus looks at me, when the Father looks at me, he looks at me through his son. And I am pure. I am white as snow. I'm clean. Like that is a powerful statement to make back to that accuser, right, that is accusing you every day. Just tell him who he is. Carmen, you guys remember Carmen from forever ago? Okay. You don't want to raise your hand because you'll date yourself like I just did. So, But Carmen, he used to say when Satan comes at you and he reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. And I always love that, you know, because you ha it's important that you do that. Have that exchange with them and say you're a liar. Everything that you're spewing, it's, all you can do is lie and deceive. It's not true. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And that's so important to be able to utter over and over again. So I want to pray for you guys, and uh, I want you guys to bow your head. We did this last service, and I thought it was so cool. I want you to do nothing but just tell him how much you love him. 
I want you to really think about what you've been saved from, what you've been restored from, delivered from. I want you just to get that in your mind, like picture that. And just like this woman, really extend yourself and touch the hem of his garment and just tell him that you love him, that you desire to commune with him, that you knew that's what you were created for. And that's what you're going to walk in from this point on in your life, that you are going to commune with him because he's your best friend and he's your savior. Just take a moment. sunsets. We see you in all of creation. You are so beautiful to us and we are so very attracted to you. You created us for this walk with you, this relationship. We're your bride. And you look down at the aisle and you see us coming and you are overjoyed. We don't have to bring baggage with us. We don't have to bring accolades and all our accomplishments can leave that right at the door as we're walking up to you. You provide everything for us. Every need is met. You lavish us with your love. You are so, so incredible. Father, I pray over each person here. Lord, I pray for their families. Father, when the enemy comes against them and says, you're not good enough, you have no You've done this, this, and this, and that disqualifies you from this unconditional love relationship with the Father. Lord, I pray that we have the boldness to say you're a liar and that we would come before him, we would get on our knees, Lord, and that we would tell you that we love you and we're thankful for you and we know our past, we know what we've, what, what we've done, but at the same time, Lord, we're just focused on our future in you. And we're so thankful, Lord, that you just bring us out of that water, Lord, and in this newness of life and this walk in relationship with you. Lord, I pray blessings on each person here. There are people in this service right now where this has been a severe struggle in your life, where maybe for years it's been taxing, where you've dealt with just even the ability to confess things that, that you've gone through, struggles and hurdles in your life. I want to pray for you, for you right now. I want to pray that God would just move on you, that, that he would do it. You can't conjure this up. You can't put these things together yourself to get the courage to do something like this. It has to be the Holy Spirit. He has to draw this out of you. And I pray that he would do that for each and every one of you. God, you're so good. 
I thank you for freedom from the chains that bind us. Lord, you were talking specifically to us. Lord, when you talked about just the freedom we can have in you, your grace is more than enough. It's more than sufficient, Father.